First uh, question, if we have any first-time visitors, you're bold enough to raise our hand, let us know that you're with us. Uh, we have a pamphlet that we give our first-time visitors that explains who we are and what we do, what our specific ministries here at King of Kings are. Uh, got a bunch here, so I'm going to go through them quickly. F next Friday dance is on the 16th, M food at 5, music at 6. Online QR codes available to use in your smartphone that's in your handout. Music jams are Saturday at 1. 2023 sign-up books for read, readers and ushers. We're always looking for people who want to read or usher. Uh, mobile pantry, the next one will be on July 13th, 2023 at 3 p.m. Second Friday of the month is a country music dinner dance. Uh, food at 5, dance at 6. I believe this will be the second Friday this Friday. Uh, on the Or is it the third? I'm getting my dates confused. Third Sunday of the month will be a covered dish. That's next Sunday, June 18th. So this will be the third Friday uh, coming. Huh? Next weekend. Next. Okay, so there's no covered dish on the 18th. No covered dish on the 18th. Karaoke on the fourth Friday of the month at 6. New member classes. For those who would like to become part of this community, there's going to be a class today um, after our cake and get a piece of cake, do a little socializing, then come back to the office. The classes take roughly 45 minutes. The first one's about Christianity. And then also next week, and that's more about what, what defines a Lutheran among Christians. Um, next Saturday on the 17th at 9 o'clock, right here will be the Gulf Coast Conference. Um, we are going to host, this is kind of between the individual congregation and the synod, the Florida Bahamas Synod, there's a substructure, the Gulf Coast, which in our case is Hernando, Pasco, and Pinellas County. All the churches that Lutheran churches meet have a, a substructure, that's where our dean comes from. Uh, you know our dean, Joy Waller, has uh, preached here in my absence a number of times. Um, so we're having a conference, anybody any member of those churches is welcome to come. And if you're curious, you learn about that structure, how that, that functions. Um, two, 
sad announcements. Suzette Wamba had a stroke and is in Bannett Point Hospital in intensive care. She had that on the 8th. Um, it was a really severe stroke. Um, I visited yesterday. It's obvious she is fighting to come out of where she's at. She was very agitated. Um, and for those of you who are know Suzette and are up for it, visiting is good. Visiting and talking, even though you're not able to get a response, she hears. And this helps her to stay connected. Um, and we're still waiting to find out. They said it'd be several days until they could find out if the brain bleed stopped. And then at that point, the, the swelling goes down and then they can start working on rehab at that point. But right now, she's not talkative, but she does, when I was there yesterday, she took my hand when we prayed. Um, she was trying to cover herself because she was trying to be modest and she would look me right in the eyes. Um, some people have said she'd gone there and she's just kind of out of it. So she might be sleeping, you do not know, but she does hear. So she's in room 3619 at Bayonet Point Hospital. I believe the visiting hours are from 10 to 8 in the evening. I, I'm not sure, but I think that's when it is. Um, so again, we're going to keep her in our prayers and keep Doris in our prayers, as this is Suzette's uh, older sister. And my goodness, Doris, you probably, when you were a little girl, you were told, look out for your sister, look out for your little sister. And you've been looking out for your sister your entire life, whether she wanted you to look out for her or not. And now is that time that to feel helpless. So our prayers are with you too. And as I've told Doris, it's important also in the midst of this that you take time for yourself and you take time to be because right now you're doing what you can do by just being sometimes. So the other announcement, sad announcement, Anna Sanow, who is Jeff uh, Sanow's wife, she's a Roman Catholic, but we welcome her anyway. Um, her family, her uncle, passed away, her uncle Peter passed away, and her family's in Uganda, and that makes it even harder because it's very prohibitively expensive to go to Uganda to go to a funeral. So um, keep her in your prayers as she suffers through that. Now we have one other thing that we're gonna do right here in the beginning of the service. As I've announced, Barbara is leaving us. Barbara's been a member of our congregation for how many years, Barbara? 12 years, you've also been on uh, council, and you've also been our secretary for quite a number of years too. She is relocating to, she hasn't, hasn't told me the town, but she says it's near Shamokin, Pennsylvania. And I've been by Shamokin, so I know about where it is. It's up in the old coal country of Pennsylvania. It's on what they call, the, uh, Route 61, they called the Coal Seam Highway. Um, but she's, she's moving on Friday, you're leaving, this will be her last Sunday. So would you come up here please, dear? So I'm gonna let you, those who are able to stand, let us stand. And the Lord be with you. And also with you. Barbara, as you leave our community here, this community of faith, King of Kings, we wish to bid you farewell.
Thus, this is a reading from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In baptism, our Lord Jesus Christ received you and made you a member of his church. When you came to King of Kings, we rejoiced to welcome you into the ministries that we share as a people of God. In this community, you have come to know and to share God's loving purpose for you and for all creation. God has blessed you in this place and this time, and God has blessed us through you. So let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the work and witness of your servant and daughter, Barbara, you have, who has enriched this community and shared her gifts with her colleagues and friends and family. Now bless and preserve her at this time of transition. Day by day, guide her and give her what is needed. Friends to cheer her way and a clear vision of that which you are now calling her. By your Holy Spirit, be presence in her pilgrimage that she may travel with the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now we have a song we wanna play and we're gonna sing along. And this is an easy one, so let's sing along here. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsels guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again.
have a chance to say goodbye and wish her well because there's a cake that'll be after service. So, Wayne, it's up to you now. It's on you. My book doesn't show me. Huh? Oh, I'm up. My goodness. Yeah. But I did have one more announcement to make. Okay, you had an announcement. That's yeah, I, I had one more announcement to make. Due to the fact that we have had very sparse attendance at the country dinner dance, the few people that have been coming are really disappointed, but I told them we're going to have to discontinue it until this fall when the snowbirds come back and we can have a little bigger crowd. We, we need to have enough people coming to pay the light bill. So, yeah. so we're going to call it off for the summer. We'll try to start it back up again this fall. Okay. Now, since I got y'all standing already, <laughs> blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who greets us in every season, whose word never fails, whose promise is sure. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of our neighbors. Merciful God. We confess that we have sinned. We have hurt our community. We have squandered your blessings. We have hoarded your bounty. In the name of Jesus, forgive us and grant us your mercy. Righteous God, we confess that we have sinned. We have failed to be honest. We have lacked courage to speak. We have spoken falsely. In the name of Jesus, grant us your mercy. God is a cup of cold water when we thirst. God offers boundless grace when we fail. Claim the gifts of God's mercy. You are freed and forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and love of God and the commitment of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Please join me in praying, praying the prayer of the day. Oh God, you are the source of the ground. Amen. Please be seated. A reading from Hosea. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and look and seek my face. In their distress, they will beg your their, thy favor. Excuse me, I'm having a problem reading. Come, let us return to the Lord. Let it be to who has... Bo- who has torn, and he will heal us. He has struck down, and he will bind me up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to be like the showers like the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dove that goes away early. Therefore, I have shown them by the prophets. They have killed them by the words of my mouth. And my judgment goes forth as a high, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The word of the God, the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'll do better now. Let us join responsibly in Psalm 57. Listen, my people, and I will speak, Israel. I will hear witness against you. I I do not accuse you because of your sacrifices. I will not accept a calf from your stalls. For all the wild animals of the forest are mine. I know every kind of the mountains, every bird of the mountains. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. Do you think I eat the flesh of the bulls? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Call upon me in the day of trouble. The second reading is from Romans. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It is the adherents of the law who are who are in who are to be their heirs. Faith is null, 
and the promise is word. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For the reason is dependent, it is depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. I, I in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that are, do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations, accordingly to what he said. So numerous shall you descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's warm womb, no, no consider, no distrust made him waver concerning the promises of God, for he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words that was reckoned to him were written and for his sake alone, but for ours also it, was, it will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. The word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the ninth chapter. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciple, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. While he was saying these things to him, suddenly the leader of a synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly, a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I can only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house, he saw the flute players in the crowds making a commotion. He said, go away, for the girl's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand. And the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout the district. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Please be seated. couple of announcements that I wanted to share, and with everything else, uh, quite frankly, it flew out of my head. Um, I was at the Synod Assembly on this Thursday, Friday, and yesterday, and I want to report that our bishop, Pedro Suarez, was re-elected on the first ballot. And that is incredible, because to be re-elected on the first ballot, it requires 75% of the votes, not just a majority, not just 50%, but 75% of all the votes cast. And the slate is anybody who is serving as a rostered minister anywhere within the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. So there's quite a big pool of candidates, and any name can be put down. And to get it on the first ballot, they have to get it at 75 ballots. So that is a testimony to how loved and how effective Bishop Suarez has been. And I can say of the different bishops that I know, I have a great deal of respect for him, but he's very down to earth and approachable. Um, the other piece of news for our congregation, our own George Algazina, who's taking his mother on a birthday cruise this week, um, was there. He has been part of Synod Council. He was reelected to Synod Council at the um, Synod Assembly. The other thing to share about the Synod Assembly, what has happened oft times in the past 
It's the same people year after years or a few couples or a few people within a congregation that rotate going through the Synod Assembly. So most people have been there. And yet this year when they asked how many people were new to the Synod Assembly, a majority of hands went up. And this is something that I've been working on. I think that each one of us, when we get the opportunity, the invitation to serve that way, need to take it up because it helps us to bring back how connected we really are. And oftentimes congregations, particularly small congregations, can get isolated and not realizing how much is being done by this part of the church that we are a member of. So I just wanted to share those two pieces of information before I actually started in preaching. Now this morning's lesson I think needs to start with the very last line we heard and the report of this, the report of who, what Jesus is and what Jesus is doing spread throughout the district. Because without starting with that, it can seem kind of confusing. Because Jesus, as I said, Jesus was walking along. He came to a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. It kind of gives us the impression when we read those words that there wasn't other things that were happening. There weren't other events going on. There wasn't other information relayed along. But I say this also gives us an opportunity to read more into the lesson than they're actually reporting. Now, to think that Jesus just walked up to Matthew, who was a tax collector, and said, follow me, and Matthew put everything away and said, okay, and followed him, it kind of it makes Jesus feel like a Svengali. I propose, and I think, and I preach, obviously, that Matthew was beginning to hear about who Jesus was. The stories were starting to spread because Jesus had already been around, and people traveled a lot in those days. And the word was being spread about this teacher who not just healed and taught, but actually went out among the Gentiles and taught and healed there as well. He did not stay within the community of Hebrews. And another thing to know, and this is just some background information, the Gospel of Matthew, which was probably composed by the followers of the disciple Matthew, that community, was written to a community of what would have been Jewish people who are now following the new way, who basically to that localized group. So there's a lot of peculiarities, a lot of uniqueness about the Gospel of Matthew that would speak to first century Jews. But we miss because we are now 21st century Christians. So there is that aspect. The other thing you need to know, while none of us look forward to getting that tax bill in the mail that we'll get come this fall with all those different numbers on us and the ad valorem, um, we don't necessarily, re while we don't generally like to pay taxes, and that's a whole other subject, but we don't revile, who is it, Ken Fasano or the local tax collector here in Pasco County. We don't revile him. 
We don't say, oh, he's a villain, he's a bad guy. We just accept that, that the, the, the county has set this tax rate and he's in charge of collecting it uniformly and fairly from each pe- person who's here playing, paying taxes. Well, in Jesus' time, tax collectors held a much more dubious position. See, most of the taxes that were collected were collected for the Romans, the overseeing power of the day, the empire of the day. But the Romans would employ locals who knew the local economy, who knew who had what, who's had a good harvest, whose olive trees produced a bumper yield, so they could tax accordingly. They were insiders in the community, but they were also outsiders because the people looked upon tax collectors as scoundrels. You're ratting us out to the Romans. You're telling us what we have. And then tax collectors were prone to be, well, they, took a, they were entitled to a cut of what they collected. And tax collectors tended to be wealthy. So tax collectors were outsiders in the society they were part of. They were not welcomed among the righteous and the saintly people because you betray us. You betray us to the Romans. Well, let me go to taxes for a minute. We need to pay taxes. That's just how we support highways and schools and libraries and build, build bridges and have airports. They are how we fo- support society. And it seems in my lifetime that more and more the burden of taxes are falling on to the people who have less, the middle class and under. And the very wealthiest have, because of the way legislation have worked, are paying less and less of tax in taxes. I do not think this is new. I think this is something where societies often go. And I think a lot of people felt that way, that tax burdens were unduly placed upon the regular working Joes and not so much on those who had wealth. And I can testify that every time that my taxes have been lowered, I think my taxes actually gone up because they just spread apart where they were collected from. But that's it. That's all I'm going to say on taxes. And I just wanted to make clear why Matthew would have been reviled by his community of Hebrews. Because he worked for the Romans and he he betrayed them to the Romans because he told their secrets. He knew where they buried their cash. But he would have heard about Jesus. And I'll lay odds that there was more of a discussion between Jesus and Matthew than Jesus just walking up to him at the booth and saying, follow me. I can imagine Jesus asking him, are you feeling happy and welcome and content with your life? And if you've been an outsider, your answer is often no. I feel like an outsider among my people. I didn't take this job because there were a lot of opportunities. I didn't take this job because they were knocking on my door and offering me better jobs. I took this job out of desperation. I'm just trying to feed my family. I remember when I was doing my internship at a church in one of the roughest areas of Philadelphia. In fact, catty corner to this church's location 
was a re-up house. Now, if you don't know what a re-up house, it's where they stash most of their drugs, and the local street dealers will come by and re-up their supply that they sell. And on one corner further up, you could buy coke, and another corner you could buy heroin, and another corner you could buy weed. We were in the badlands, what they called the badlands of the city. And one morning, two of the men who were dealing with the harder stuff, it was either heroin or coke, came into church, and they asked for prayers and a blessing. They said, we don't do this because McDonald's pays real well. We don't do this because we had a lot of opportunities. We do this because we have children, we have responsibilities, we're trying to support people, and this is the way we can make a living. But it's dangerous out there. We're, we're, we're subject to getting arrested at any time, and at one point we've been arrested enough that we go away. And there's a lot of gunfire involved with this, and you never know when you're gonna be shot down by a rival gang. So there is this thing of fear. So they weren't asking for forgiveness. They were just asking for protection, for, for the presence of the Spirit. You can begin to empathize with people that you want to put on the outside when you hear why they are ended up on the outside. So I'm sure Matthew said something, at least in my mind, said something to that nature to Jesus. I'm not doing this because I really want to. I'm not doing this because there was a whole lot of opportunities available and I just wanted to make cash. I'm doing this because this is what was, I was able to get, what I was able to do because I'm trying to support myself. I need to eat at night. I'm trying to keep a roof over my family's head, heads. And Jesus probably said, well, there's a better way. And he'd heard about Jesus and he'd heard about the miracles and he heard about the teaching. But most of what he's hearing was Jesus came and talked to him. Jesus came to him. God comes to us, not because we are righteous, not because we have lived such a good life, but because God loves us. And God comes to us to show us a better way. And he said, Matthew, I can show you a better way. And then those famous words, follow me. And Matthew took that act of faith the same act of faith that the Apostle Paul was referring to Abraham. He took that leap of faith and he followed Jesus. He laid behind that which he knew, that which was kind of safe, that was steady and employment. And he decided to follow this person whom he'd heard so much good stuff about. Abraham was considered righteous because he, he acted in faith. Even though Abraham was an old man, Abraham was pushing 90 years old when God said to him, Abraham, dig up stakes from where you know, from this area where you've been doing well and you've been blessed. Abraham was a wealthy man with lots of flocks, with lots of herds, with lots of servants in his employ. Drag up and move to where I will show you to go. Not here, I'm sending you to a really nice place. Drag up here to where I will show you to go, and I will bless you, and I will make you the father of many nations. Tells Abraham, look up at the sky, 
and see the stars. Can you count them? Your, num- your offspring will be more numerous. And it was Abraham's faith following God that made him righteous. Matthew left his tax booth behind and went and followed Jesus. Not because Matthew was righteous, not because Matthew was smarter, but Matthew was seeking something more in his life and trusted the faith to follow Jesus. So we get to the next scene in this story. Jesus is sitting at the table with tax collectors and other sinners. Now, it says in the house, but having traveled to the Middle East, that has taken on a different picture because most of the central dwelling was a cave dug out of the rocks. And the houses themselves were not structures, but opened just like a canopy, like a tent covering area to provide protection against the sun, some shade. So people could see, as it was right out there with among everybody else, people could see where this prophet, where this amazing Jesus had decided to sit. He sat with all the outcasts, the tax collectors, and we already covered the tax collectors, and the other sinners. Well, who falled into that category of other sinners? Well, we we probably can put in, well, prostitutes are using what they have to support themselves, but we tend to judge, well, why did this, why is that person doing this? Um, Others who had to do jobs that had to work all the time. If you were a subsistence farmer, you couldn't afford to take a Sabbath. If you were a herder, you couldn't afford to take a Sabbath. Anybody who's ever raised animals, they need tending every day. If you have cows, you milk the cows every day. You cannot skip a day because that creates problems. My mother grew up on a farm, and she would remind me quite often when I would complain about my luxury life living in suburbia that she had to get up from the time she was old enough to grab the teats, about six to eight years old. I mean, I'm not sure, but it's about that time. She would have to get up every morning early and milk six cows, and before she could finish up for the day, she had to milk six cows again. And she had to do that every day of her life until she left to go away to college. She never wanted to hear about growing up on a farm would be so nice. She goes, it was not nice. I had to milk cows every day. So if you have cows and you're providing milk, you're milking your cows every day. And because you're doing it every day, you're not observing the Sabbath. So what does that make you? Well, I guess you're a sinner. So you get to eat with the tax collectors and the sinners. Jesus' question, well, why? If you're such a great rabbi, why are you eating with those people? With those people. The original sin. The original sin. Judging. Knowing the difference between good or evil. And in our problem, in our human mind, we really don't understand it. We really don't get it. We, we think of good as those who've done well and have wealth. They must be good. God bless them. And evil must be those who are suffering misfortune. And if they're suffering misfortune, well, then they're evil. Therefore, they are less than. See how this all works? We, we venerate still today. We hold up those 
who have done really well, who are millionaires and billionaires, oh, they must be blessed. They deserve lower tax rates than the rest of us, says they'll do great things with this. Now, folks, they're just more fortunate or better at business. I mean, to be good at business is a gift, but is it a greater gift than being able to teach a child to read, which is more valuable to our culture? I'll go on. So that the righteous, the self-appointed righteous, because they've been blessed by God because they're so good, question Jesus, well, why would you bother spending time with those people? And Jesus tells them, you know, does a doctor go to those who are not well? He doesn't say the people are sick. He's just asking him a question. Does a doctor mess with people who are well? No, a physician deals with people who are ill. As he says the same thing. How's he put it here? Go learn what that means. Because I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. One of the worst effects of poverty, of being on the outside, of becoming less, as I've talked to people who've been put into that category by our society, who became those people, they said one of the worst effects of that is you become unrecognized. You become unseen. I've often said one of the greatest gifts you can give to a person who might be panhandling is just say, hey, you don't have to give them anything, but just say good morning to them. Let them know that you see them, that you see them in their plight. Ma, I don't have anything today, but good morning to you. Because it's becoming invisible, becoming unrecognized, becoming an outcast, being put into the category of those people, which is so painful. Jesus points out to those who are so righteous, very indirectly, very subtly, but also very to the point, that it's not so much what you are doing, that how you set up, or that what makes you righteous. It's how are you treating people around you? How are you caring for one another? None of us is really righteous. Martin Luther refers to, and I wish I could say the Latin, but languages are not my gift, but it sounded really cool in Latin. But it's basically, Luther said, we are simultaneously saints and sinners. We are simultaneously sinners because we invariably do things each day, each hour of each day, that separate us from God. We think ill of people, we gossip, we, we withhold we, we judge, we worship things other than God. All these things we do regularly through our lives. We are sinners. But because of Jesus, we are also saints. Jesus gives the people who he is eating with the greatest gift, and that is the gift of being present. To remind us that God is present with all of us, regardless. In fact, sometimes God is more present with those who are down on their luck, those who are falling into those gaps, than with those of us who are doing well in our life. I look back at the struggles of my life, those times that things were really going rough, 
And I realized those were also the times that I felt the presence of God most closely. And conversely, when I think I'm doing well and my gym is doing good, is when I'm setting myself up for a fall because I'm separating myself. I'm failing to recognize that it is God blessing me each day. It is not our situations in life are brought on us because a God is judging us and making us unwell or poor or homeless. It is those circumstances that call those of us who are comfortable to reach out and help. Jesus spoke to the disciples all the time. My favorite correlation, it comes in the Gospel of John, when they came upon the blind man and the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus ends up with a real snarky answer on surface. He says, maybe he was born blind so God's glory could be revealed in this moment. When we reach out to the stranger, to the disenfranchised, to the lost, to the hurting, to those who are on the outside and welcome them in, we are giving that gift of community. We are giving that gift of ourselves. We are glorifying God. At that moment, God may be glorified in our actions. We have been blessed in our lives with many good things, some more than others. But the greatest blessing is when we can be a blessing to others. Go out and glorify God in your lives. Reach out to those who are disenfranchised. Speak up for those who have no voice. And be grateful for all the blessings you've been bestowed. Amen. All right, let's open our eyes.
In Christ you have heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. Living together in trust and hope, let us confess our faith together as found in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. As we do each week, and while we have prayers printed in the great prayers, take them home, use them if you need them. Um, I think it's more important that our prayers actually come from our community for those things that we are um, praying for in our lives or those when we want to share those places where we've seen God's grace manifest itself. So we start with those, those what we call joys, so does anybody have any joys that they wish to share that they've, where they've seen Jesus, the face of Jesus, or seen God active this past week? Really? Is there one hand? Ah! Good morning. I just got back from New York. I went to Long Island to visit my family last week and meet my new great-grandson. It was a blessing in several different ways. I mean, it was wonderful to see my family, and he's absolutely adorable. I ended up in the hospital with diverticulitis, but that's another story. Okay. Yeah, it just does what it wants sometimes. Anyway, 
I honestly believe in divine intervention, and I get terrified, panicky, getting on planes. We were in the airport. I mean, first of all, JFK is a horror. <laughs> so we flew in there. They're rebuilding everything in the world, and it's going here and there and there. Anyway, when we left, between being sick and being released from the hospital Saturday night and flying home 7 o'clock Sunday morning, we were in the airport at Tampa. Uh, well, first of all, when I was in the hospital, I had a period where it was just, there was a lot of pain. And, you know, God speaks to you. It's, it's unbelievable. This doctor came in to see the woman next to me. And she was over there talking. She's a palliative care with long-term disease. And as she went to wash her hands, I happened to look up and I saw these eyes in the mirror that I, well, I think I know her. She looked at me briefly, went around, and I said, no, I must have been mistaken. <laughs> she comes back around the other way. And she goes, Lee? I said, Em, it is you. I knew this girl 20-some-odd years ago when her now husband trained me as an EMT when I joined the fire department. I was like, oh, wow. So we talked for a couple minutes. I told her it was gone. She said, take it easy, honey. Everything's going to be OK. I calmed down. Well, now you get, on, you get in the airport, and it's like <laughs> a horror. And I'm sitting there, and I got to the point where I just got to get out of here. I mean, this is like I'm, I'm going crazy. And they got me sitting here, waiting to go through the gate for security. And I look up. Here I am in the middle of a panic attack. And I see this face. It's this guy. Look, said, Michael? I haven't seen him in 15 years, 12 years, since his twins were born. And I was there because his, his wife was my best friend at work. He said, hey, you look good. Everything's going to be good. The flight's on time, whatever. And I calmed down. How is it that in an airport as big as JFK and in a hospital that's 1,200 miles away, you're frightened about something, and all of a sudden these two faces show up to calm you down? I'm sorry, people. That's divine intervention, that is and the, I yeah, absolutely amen, believe. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, people think I was coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences, by the way. Yeah, no such thing as coincidences. Any other joys that anybody would like to share? I will share the joy of being at the Senate Assembly. And I realize that for those of you who've attended Senate Assemblies, realize what are they talking about joy? And I understand that whole thing about being in a business meeting because it's a necessary thing that the church does. And as a pastor, whether it's rostered or uh, having the privilege of call, depending on the denomination, you have to go to these meetings. And sometimes they are long and, and drag out. But there's also blessings. Um, I heard the Bishop of Southeast Pennsylvania, who I knew, she was actually the assistant to the bishop when Marjorie retired up in Philadelphia. Um, and she was the guest speaker. And she gave a sermon that spoke directly to me. And being a pastor, it's not often you get to hear sermons that speak directly to you. But she spoke a sermon that spoke directly to me. And that's always a joy because it renews and refreshes. And we all need that renewal and refreshment. So how about concerns? I know we have some. We talked about Anna's family. Um, Anna Senow, as she struggles with the death of another relative, she's lost several now in a very short period of time. So keep 
Anna in your prayers as she deals with that. And Doris asked me to share, please pray for Suzette, because she can't talk about it yet, and I understand that. And um, if you get a chance to visit Suzette, she's in Bayonet Point, room 3619. The more she can hear voices, even if she doesn't appear to be aware, um, the better, the, she, the easier she can come back. But pray for her in this, and pray for Doris, and pray for Herb, because I'm sure he's lost right now. And then pray for Doris, because you're probably caring for Herb too now. A lot of prayers for Doris too. We often forget the, the caregiving. Um, other concerns that people would like to share? I, I got something Yes. Well, I want to rewind a little bit back to the joys. Okay. Okay, uh, I got a couple of joys going on. Uh, first of all, uh, Chris and I, we have our great grandkids here today. Uh, Kiera and Juwan sitting in the back with Chris. And Kiera has stepped up to help us with the video stuff here with the camera. And so I'm very happy about that. Thank you very much. And also, when we get done this afternoon, you know, with the party and stuff, uh, we're going to take a trip over to my sister in Orlando and stay for a few days and visit her. And Wonderful. So, uh, it's uh, going to be a good day. And by the way, blessings on I-4, oh, especially by I'll Apopka. I will be very joyous if I-4 doesn't have breakdowns. <laughs> especially by Apopka. That seems to be the spot. I was coming home yesterday, and we were sitting there in the traffic, Marjorie and I. says, you know what Apopka means in uh, Seminole? She goes, no, it means sit and wait. Sit and wait. <laughs> That's about it. How other concerns? Alice. Years ago, I was diagnosed with um, aorta stenosis, and it was in a mild, but now I am in severe. So in a few weeks, I will be having a heart valve replacement. I'm hoping it will be the Tavor one. But this Thursday, I go in for right-left catheterization to see if the heart arteries are open enough to receive that valve through the femur artery, and that's where I want your prayers, please. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So let's keep Alice in our prayers um, and healing and, and wise hands of doctors and compassionate nurses and a, a calm and peaceful heart for you. Amen. Yes, please. Until I tried to read this, I got a card from my optometrist this week and he says it's time to come in and get your eyes checked uh, I'm not sure I, I, I'm, I'm going to blame a lot of it on this glare and the next time I read and I will read again sometime I will do it without the the plastic over the paper I, I, I blame I'm blame a lot of it on that I, I blame but, that too. but I am going to go see the doctor and make sure yeah no, it is. The glare is tough, depending on where, where the lights is and depending on where you're standing. I've hit that, if you it, see it, me. It's not only glare, but even one word, part of it was punched out by a punch hole, and it, was, it changed yeah, the whole meaning dead. of the word. It was dead. You got from, it. From you got dead, it, though. It was dead. From dead to EAD is a whole difference. <laughs> yeah. Yes, those who read, I, I sympathize because... There are times that those words just don't want to sit. Okay, Dwayne, you're 
Get your hands up. I got a concern. Wayne, you get a pass this morning. Wayne, you get a pass. It's okay. All right, there you go. Where's my... uh, okay. That's right. I'd like to ask for blessings for my grandson, Aaron. <laughs> He's 24 years old. He's going to have his third child. He has a history of what they call idiopathic intracranial hypertension. It's kind of like your brain feels, thinks that it has a tumor, but it doesn't. And it comes along with what they call papilledema. So, wow, those words are really impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's just swelling and a lot of water. Your brain thinks that it has a tumor, so it produces cerebrospinal fluid. And it, when it gets to producing too much, which it does with this condition, uh, your voids, like your ears and your eyes and all of the cavities, they fill up with fluid. And a lot of times he has to have spinal taps. Well, he got another really bad flare. And uh, he's already seen the neurologist and they recommended him to a neurosurgeon. He had stents in the past that were put in and then taken out and whatever. So I'm just asking for prayers to help him along his journey, please. Thank okay, you. Thank you. I want to share another concern that came to my attention this past couple days. Um, last year, the Synod had a retreat for rostered leaders to just get away, to, to take a time of renewal and refreshment. Um, because as I said, as I shared about this, is you don't know how much you need it until you go do it. But we had come through pandemic. A lot of us had to shift on how we did ministries and whatever. So here's just a time of renewal. It was held down at St. Peter's in Fort, Myer, Fort Myers Beach. Beautiful location. Across the street is the ocean or the Gulf. Um, well, um, in September when Ian hit, it wiped St. Peter's out. They basically lost their property. They've lost all but 15 family units of the congregation had to either move back away or resettle into another part of the state because Fort Myers Beach was wiped out. So I have been praying for them because that's a horrible thing. And all of us here in Florida, um, depending on where our churches are located, but all of us are really live with that fear of not just having our home wiped out, but then our church home wiped out as well. Um, they were sharing that they were working together with the Methodist and the Episcopal churches in uh, Fort Myers Beach to come together and bring a fellowship so the people that are still there are still um, want to seek out worship, have a place to worship. And I think it's wonderful when in the heels of disaster, in the heels of tragedy, that groups can come together and say, let's lay down our differences, let's stay down those things that separate us, and let's work together for the good of all. So this is a glimmer of light and hope in the midst of what was a really tragic situation. And if anybody has been to the southern part of the Gulf Coast recently, it's still bad. It's still bad in many places. When we were going to, over to Miami Airport to take off for the Holy Land, we stopped for lunch in Punta Gorda. And the first three restaurants that were indicated on the GPS were just shells, were closed. We finally found a Culver's that had a blue tarp over it so we could eat lunch. It's still bad, and we oftentimes forget. It's still bad in New Orleans, and Katrina was in 2005. So 
I just wanted to lift that up. Any other concerns, any other prayer things that we want to lift up? Yes, Vinny. Yeah. I want to thank God for the safe travel that I had. I came back from my state meeting for the Vietnam Veterans of America last night, uh, speaking about Fort Myers. Uh, Colonel Connie Christensen, yes, she's a lady, uh, Vietnam vet. Her house practically got destroyed with the Fort Myers uh, storm. Yeah. So. Yes. Yes. Any others? Let us pray then. Gracious and merciful God, we lift up thankfulness for all the ways that you have become apparent in our life. We lift up thankfulness that we get to enjoy and be led by such a wonderful person as Bishop Suarez for the next six years. And we thank you that George is now our inside track, still our inside track into Synod Council. Lord, we lift up all those other joyous things, whether it's travel and being able to visit family, safe travels and returns. You are a blessing in all good things that happen in our lives. Lord, we lift up our sister Suzette. We are praying for healing mercy, but we're also praying for your will. Help us to come together in this time as a family to support this beloved sister. We lift up Barbara as she travels, as she leaves our community. Be with her as she travels. Help her to find a new community, a new place to give those gifts and talents that she shared with us so blessedly over the past years. Lord, we, we lift up Anna Sano and the grief that her family is feeling, and we lift up Anna's feeling of separation at this time of mourning. Lord, we, we lift up Alice. Be with her into these, into these times of, of now tests and examinations and be with the surgeons and the medical personnel and with their wisdom and steady hands, Lord. Lord, we also lift up all these concerns. Lord, we lift up all those we've named, all those in our heart, trusting in your goodness and mercy, trusting in the promise of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and let the people say, Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share that peace with one another.
the offering prayer as one voice. God of field and forest, sea and sky, you are the giver of all good things. Sustain us with these gifts of your creation and multiply your graciousness in us that the world may be fed with your love through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should all times and all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death in the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. 
In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Amen. Oh, come on, that was a shy amen. Amen. Much better. If there's any place to give an amen, it's after those words. But now let us be so bold as to pray together the prayer that we were taught by our Savior, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it is not temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. All are invited to this table. You can receive communion one of three ways. You and you can come forward when directed by the, uh, the usher. You will be given a piece of bread, which you can then dip or intinct into either glass. The dark red liquid is wine. The clearer liquid is grape juice. Either or is fine. You can also, if you're still worried about germs, go to the back where there's pre-packed um, wafers and cups of wine or grape juice. Or if you want to receive the bread and the wine, um, but you're not able to come forward, I will ask at the end, if there's anybody who else would like to receive, raise your hand and I will come to you. God always comes to us. So these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Thank you. 
We thank you, generous God, for the refreshment we have received at your banquet table. Send us now to spread your generosity into the world through the one who is our dearest treasure, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now, the God who calls across the cosmos, who speaks in the smallest seed, bless you, keep you, and sustain you, now to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. All right, let's be marching in the light, folks. We are marching in the light of God. 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 We are marching in
Go in peace. Share the harvest.